0: All right. Well, like I said, we're in 2 Corinthians 12. And the the number is kind of obnoxious. The chapter break there. This is right in the middle of all of Paul's boasting and carrying on and talking like an idiot. And he even says, I'm going to talk like a fool. You guys have provoked me to act like a fool. So I'm going to talk like a fool. And so he says all this stuff and gives all these braggings. He's already said anybody that boasts in themselves and talks about how great they are is a fool. But since everybody that comes and talks to you, since you guys love that so much, I'm going to act like a fool and boast in myself a whole bunch. And I'm going to give you all what you want, which is all jokes, right? It's all tongue in cheek. But he goes on. Chapter 12, verse 1 I must go on boasting. There is nothing to be gained by it. There's nothing, we're not gonna, you guys, you should not believe anything I say that I brag about myself. But since you love this stuff, here we go. Get ready. We're gonna give you some more. I'm gonna go on and talk about visions and revelations of the Lord. So he's gonna talk about visions that he had because people had come to Corinth and they were like, I've got this letter straight from Peter in Jerusalem to pay for all of my housing while I'm here and to give me all the best food and to take care of me. And, oh, you wouldn't believe the visions I've had, the prophecies I've prophesied, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so Paul is like, OK, if you guys think these people are something because they brag about all their visions and revelations, fine, I'll tell you about mine. If you insist, if this is what makes people important in your eyes, have you been around people, and sometimes I'm guilty of this too, where somebody tells a story and then you've got a one-upper and they're like, oh yeah, well, let me tell you about the time, you know, oh man, there's that time that we walked. Seven miles. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you about the time I walked 10 miles. Then there's the guy. Oh, let me tell you about the time I walked 15 miles with one leg. And it just goes on and on and on. So Paul is like, all of that's stupid. Because you guys put value in that. I'm just going to tell you about it. And he does it in the best way. I know a guy. Right? Sometimes this comes through in our culture. Uh. I have a friend who blah, blah, blah. Paul says, I know this guy, a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know, but God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know, but God knows. But this guy was caught up into heaven, into paradise, There was either a spiritual vision or the guy was physically taken up there. This guy I know. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. We just can't even say what this guy was told. And on behalf of this man, I will boast But on my own behalf, I will not boast. I will brag, wow, isn't it amazing that somebody got to do that? Because who are you boasting in at that point? You're boasting in God. Isn't it awesome that God would take somebody up, either bodily or spiritually? We don't know, but take them and give them a vision of heaven and tell that. Isn't it awesome that God would tell somebody things that we can't even talk about? Either we're not worthy. Either it's beyond our comprehension to explain it. We just can't even say what it was. And he's kind of boasting in the fact that God would do this to a person, right? He's not boasting in how awesome that person was. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except about my weaknesses. I'm going to boast in how weak I am. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool because I'm speaking the truth. So that little part's kind of weird. If I were the best yo-yo person in Evansville and I knew it and I told you I'm the best yo-yo person in Evansville, I'm not really boasting, right? I'm just telling when Lily King says... I won a gold medal. She's not saying, I won a gold medal. She's just saying the truth. Isn't that wild? So you can say the truth about yourself and not be boasting. It is, I mean, it looks the same, but it's, the heart's different. I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one will think of more of me than he or she sees in me or hears from me. So I don't want to boast to you. This is what Paul is saying. I don't want to boast and brag and tell you a whole bunch of stuff. I just want you to think of me by what you see. By what you see at face value. So if my life and my activities and the things that I do and the way I care about you shows that Christ is in me, that's enough. You don't need to know that I'm the Apostle Paul, miracle worker. You know, rock star, super, whatever. I don't want you, anyone to think more of me than they, than they see in me or hear from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Wait a minute. Paul says to keep me from being conceited because of all these revelations. What revelations? the revelations that the guy he knows had because it was him. He was the guy. So he's not saying, I've been taken up into the second heaven. Sorry, third heaven. Get it right. I've been taken up into the third heaven. I've seen revelation. I've seen, he's not bragging about himself. He's making it a brag about God who shows mercy. All right, so before we get into the, that. Let's talk about everything that he said. He's bragging about how great God is and what the great things that God has done. Even though it's pretty awesome, like when you hear that, you're kind of like, I would love to do that. That would be so awesome for God to take you either bodily or out of the body, however that works, into The third heaven. Okay, what in the world does the third heaven mean? So remember, they had a concept of the three layers where all the dead people were down underneath and we all live here and God is up in the heavens. Now, did they literally think that he was up above the clouds somewhere? Not necessarily, but he was just simply above and he was over everything. So that means you can see, he can see everything. Now there were some rabbis that made commentaries that they said that you couldn't take a spear and poke it up into the air without poking an angel because the heavens were so full of spiritual beings and deities. They were just thick, solid, packed. There were so many of them. And that might be true, but I don't think you can poke them with a spear. So you don't have to worry about that. So Paul was taken up, 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 up to the third heaven. Like just as it doesn't mean how many heavens are there? How many layers are there? Who gets to be on level one? Who gets to be on? It's not any of that. It's none of that is what we're supposed to be distracted by, right? It's he was taken up to the highest of heavens, to the, to the most wonderful um, place where God is and there he saw things that he can't talk about and he can't talk about could be because it's so moving there is stuff in the book of revelation where they say everything all this stuff that you saw and you you write it down okay good you wrote it down now seal it up in a scroll and don't ever open this and don't ever tell anybody what you just saw because it is just too much to know uh, the rabbis had other stories of various rabbis who had been taken up into the heavens and seen God. And some of them went crazy and some of them um, went berserk and just wept for the rest of their lives because of the greatness of what they saw. So we don't know. We don't know how to explain any of that either. Right. But this happened to Paul. Some people think it happened when he got stoned to death. Remember we talked about that last week. They throw him off a cliff. They throw a bunch of rocks down on him. And he may have died. And had these visions. And then came back. He may have had these visions in prayer. We don't know. But the whole point is. How awesome it is that Paul is not bragging. About how awesomely spiritual he is. He's keeping that language out of it. And instead it's isn't God great that even though I'm so weak and he says, I will boast in how weak I am. I will boast in how spiritually not strong I am, but it's God's mercy that took me up and showed me these amazing, amazing things. And so to keep from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations, they were so great that Paul could become conceited. So I think I've talked about this before at home, we have a little Google, a little Google home that we talk to. We ask it to play "Happy Birthday Levi," really loud through the house. We ask it what the weather is. Uh, we ask it, you know, questions. Who won the World Series in 1972? It tells us all these things, and you can tell it what to call you, what your name is. And I've told it to call me the pure and holy righteousness of God. Because the Bible says, God took him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him I might be the pure and holy righteousness of God. And so it's not a boast, and Isaac rolls his eyes every time. I'll go down and I'll say, hey, Google, good morning. And it will say, good morning, the pure and holy righteousness of God. The temperature outside is 45 degrees. And you have three things on your calendar today. Blah, 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 blah. And then it tells a joke at the end. That's usually pretty dumb. And Isaac rolls his eyes. And he's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you have Google calling you the pure and holy righteousness of God. And I say, why not? Because that's what I am. It's what the Bible says I am. So that sounds conceited, right? And man, believe me, I do not go out the fall festival, run into somebody and they're like, what's your name? I forgot your name. And I say, oh, I'm the pure and holy righteousness of God. Don't do that. Keep it undercover. Keep that, that mantle of humility over it, right? Don't, don't blow it. But that's what we are. That's what we are in Christ. So you can see where if Paul had a revelation of who he was and of who Jesus is, that that could make him conceited that that he could be tempted into be a conceited arrogant person and so to help him out uh oh because of the surpassing greatness of revelations a thorn was given to me in the flesh a messenger of satan to harass me and to keep me from becoming conceited So, earlier when we were talking about that, and it was like, man, I want that. I want to have a vision of God. I want to be taken up to the third heaven. I want to be told things by God that are so wow that I can't even talk about it on earth. Well, but you'll probably get really conceited if you have that, and so to keep you from being conceited, God may gift you with a messenger of Satan, to harass you, to keep you from becoming conceited. Gosh. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. So three times doesn't always mean three times. It can mean three times. But you know how when we say, man, he drove here and he drove like 50 million miles an hour all the way down the Lloyd Expressway. Okay, did I really drive 50 million miles an hour? Cindy might say that it felt like it. But I did not drive 50 million miles an hour, right? How many people were at the Fall Festival last week? Gazillions. Okay, were there gazillions of people at the Fall Festival last week? No. So in Hebrew culture, there's this really cool thing that they didn't have gazillions and they didn't have 50 million. If they said it three times, it's like an infinite number of times. They only went up to three to mean... A bazillion. Cool thing about this is when you hear the creatures around the throne in heaven saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What are they saying? They're saying you're a gazillion times holy. You're just a bazillion. I wonder what, like in 20 years, what that number will be because it's inflation. Three times, a gazillion times I've asked the Lord, a bazillion, thousands of times. My grandma used to say, they're driving like 60. <laughs> and I, I remember like going into driver's ed and driving 60 and like asking my grandma, do you ever drive 60? She's like, why would I ever have to drive 60 miles an hour? And she didn't. She never drove anywhere that she had to drive. That was fast. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. So we don't have to take this um, literally that Paul marked on his calendar the three times that he did this. He asked God a lot. Over and over. I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You are okay. Okay. You are all right. You do not have to it is it would be more damaging to you to be conceited and have this thing delivered from you, you would be in worse shape than if you have it with my grace right now. Isn't that powerful? So there's all kinds of discussions been going on for two thousand and twenty-three years. Of what was Paul's thorn in his flesh? And I want to touch on it for a little bit. Don't stake anything on it. Okay? This is just interesting. There's some people that thought that the messenger from Satan, to harass him, to keep him from being conceited, was temptation. This is what the early church fathers thought. Because they were all so... They, they would block themselves away from the room, from the world. They'd go live in a little jail cell. They wouldn't have any food. They wouldn't have any pleasure. They wouldn't have any delights or anything. And they'd still have temptation in their head for various things. And they thought, oh, this is the messenger from Satan to keep me from being conceited that I would always struggle with this. Guess what? In the book of James, it says, God does not tempt anyone. So it's not temptation. God has not sent this messenger from Satan to tempt Paul to sin because God does not want anybody to do that. Okay? So we know it's not temptation. So we take that whole theory and all the people that thought that and we throw that out thanks to the book of James. (laughs) A messenger of Satan to harass me. I've heard a guy say this was an actual person And these are the people that would follow after Paul and say all the bad things about him and carry on and preach against him and and all of that. And that fits even more with this. But I don't think that's going to keep him from being conceited because he's just had two chapters of talking about how they're all a bunch of idiots and he's better. (laughs) So I don't think it's that. So we take that whole theory and we throw that out. There's this whole line that I'm going to sit with and I might contradict myself and change my mind in a couple of years. But remember when we read Acts and Paul got malaria and he went and he had to go to this uh, oh oh wait before that there's another theory that it's epilepsy. That he had epilepsy and that he would have seizures and the problem with that is that all of his visions and all of that is credited to epilepsy and not to the Lord which seems a little off. So you take all the, that he's got some physical disability and you throw that out because he got it after this. He didn't have it his whole life. Right? So I like the malaria option. I like, I like the malaria. Um, Malaria is natural. It's not spiritual. You get it just like a flu shot. Right? But one of the symptoms is that your eyes hurt really, really bad. And there's an ancient writer that wrote about malaria that it felt like a big wooden stake was being driven in one side of his head, pushing his eye over to the other side of his head. When Paul went to Galatia, he writes to the Galatians, he was sick, and the Galatians took care of him. And Paul wrote to them later that when I first met you, you would have plucked your own eyeballs out and given them to me for my relief. So whatever was wrong with him affected his eyes, right? There's another place where Paul says, look at what big letters I use when I write. And they think that if his eyes were all messed up, that when he would write, he would write bigger than a normal person so that he could read his own writing, which is kind of cool to think through. And so here's a a physical ailment that Paul had Um, and in the midst of that, he says that God sent Satan, a messenger from Satan to harass me. So when we have a physical ailment, when you have something go wrong, when you hurt yourself, that's totally physical, right? You can have an x-ray and you can bring it up and you can be like, there it is. My broken foot. There it is. My, my numbers are off or whatever. What happens next is spiritual. Oh, woe is me. I'm hopeless. What? You're the pure and holy righteousness of God. You were the pure and holy righteousness of God before that broken bone, and you're the pure and holy righteousness of God after the broken bone. The broken bone is not your identity. But the devil wants to make you think you're worthless. And so... All the paint peels off the front of my car. My friend gets a new car, and it looks super cool. I get a new car, and it has no paint all over the front bumper. And what does the messenger of Satan say? You are not, you just don't make as much money as he does. Because if you made more money, you'd have a car that didn't have a big old nasty bumper paint peeling off of it. Right? And I can recognize, wait a minute, is that a voice telling me I'm the pure and holy righteousness of God, that I'm desired by him, that I'm the apple of his eye, that he stays up all night singing songs of love over me, like it says in Zephaniah 3.17. No, that must be the voice of the devil, and I don't have to listen to that. And that's what this this is all pointing to. Man, I can cry out to the Lord over and over, Lord, fix... I'm just using this as a stupid example, okay? I don't care about my car bumper. Lord, please heal my car bumper. Lord, provide a way that I don't have peeling paint all over my car bumper. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't want anybody to look at me and be like, man, Dan Sullivan, did you see how awesome his car bumper was? I don't want to boast in that. I don't want to boast in how awesome my car bumper is, right? Right? I wanna boast in what the Lord has done in my life. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for a whole lot of sin and a whole lot of that sin was just for me. And he loves me a lot. Let that be my boast. My bumper is gonna burn. It's gonna be gone. I mean, it's plastic, so it's gonna last a whole long time in some junkyard somewhere. But it's, it's, I'm gonna outlast it. Let me boast in that. This awesome phrase, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. This word made perfect, guess what it means? Made completely perfect. (laughs) God's power is awesome. Do you know where God's power is just the most perfect, best thing ever is when we are surrendering to him in our weakness. Because then it's all him. All the glory points to him. I used to have this buddy, and his his name was Will. And we called him Big Will because he was this huge, towering, tall guy. And he played basketball for Oakland City. He was like on a full ride scholarship at Oakland City University. playing basketball. And he was from Texas. And he had this big old Texas accent. And sometimes he didn't catch our jokes very quick. And sometimes he didn't understand everything we were talking about. And one day I said, Will, guess what this is? And I had a T-shirt on, so you can see all my big ripped muscle. And I said, "God's strength perfected." We're talking about this. He said, "Hey Dan, guess what this is?" <laughs> I didn't get it. It's like what? He goes, "God's strength perfected in weakness, Dan." <laughs> it was awesome. Our weakness is something we can boast in and we become confident in boasting in our weakness when we start to make Jesus our identity. I'm not going to brag about how poor I am and how little money I make around a whole bunch of people who put their identity in how much money they make. It's not what, what good is that going to do? But if I put my hope and my boast in the great things that God has done for me, how God has always given me every single thing I need in abundance. God has always taken care of me because guess what? This uh, my power. No, no, no. Sufficient. This word sufficient. Other places where they use this word sufficient is when they talk about how strong a wall is to hold back an army. It's. The same word they use when they talk about building a dam to hold back this humongous body of water. And so think of that strength, that, you know, impenetrable, tough. God's grace is impenetrable and tough for you. Nothing is getting through it. if a a wall on a castle is strong and they use that word for it, it means nothing is getting through. Nothing is going to breach that wall. God's grace is impenetrable for you. Whatever you're struggling with. And gosh, I know we all struggle with things. I'm just, I don't want to talk for you guys, but I'll just assume. We all struggle with things. Have any of them, have you ever been like, I am... I am being attacked by a messenger from Satan. I don't ever say that, right? I don't like to give the devil credit. I don't know that I've ever been attacked that heavy with something that big. But if even a messenger of Satan can taunt me and God's grace is impenetrable and enough for me, I don't care, right? Awesome. That is how great. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. All the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I don't have to impress anybody. I don't have to show off and prove to anybody how awesome I am. Isn't it great how Paul is saying this at the end of this whole chapter and a half of nonsense idiocy, of bragging about how great he is and he's bringing it all back to I don't have to prove myself to anybody because I'm Christ's. Okay. There's two ways to do that. And we need to be careful. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. Burp, 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 burp. And I just go do what I want. And I'm a jerk and I steamroll over everybody. No, 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 no. I don't have to prove myself to anybody. Try my truck with no muffler. Wake up my whole neighborhood. No, no, I don't have to prove myself to anybody because the presence of Jesus is so obvious in my life. The guy that the Roman guards went to arrest him and they turned back at, at the risking of their lives and they said, nobody ever taught like this man. We couldn't arrest him. He's just awesome. That guy's spirit is in you. Wow. So I can boast of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the next level of it, right? That's, what if I'm suffering? What if this bad thing is happening to me? I'm the only person that knows about it. I'm the only person that suffers through it. And there's nobody even to see the light of Christ shining in me. Even then, I see it, and I see God's strength perfected in my own weakness all alone. And so I am content. Gosh, what a, I mean, talk about, I want to I have visions of God. I want to be taken up into the third heaven. I want to be able to be taught things I can't even utter. How's this for a goal? I am content with my weakness. I am content with insults. People are going to insult you. People are going to insult me. And they're going to say bad stuff about you. They might know who you are. and They might slander and gossip against you. They might not know you and just yell at you while you're driving down the highway. Right? Whatever. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions. None of those things define who I am. Who I am is I am in Christ Jesus He's got this fortified wall of grace all around me that's impenetrable, even if a messenger of Satan comes. I'm content. <gasps> oh, I've been a fool. You guys forced me into it. That's what he says in verse 11. This is kind of marking the end of this this little story arc here. You forced me to it. I should have been commended by you. You guys should have been telling me how awesome I was instead of me having to prove myself. How bold is that? Wow. It's Lily King. Y'all should have had a parade for me because I won a gold medal instead of me coming around being like, people, I won a gold medal in the Olympics. Right? She shouldn't have to say that. We should recognize. You shouldn't have to demand. You shouldn't have to demand this. I am not inferior at all to the super apostles, even though I'm nothing. I am nothing. I love this. Paul's view of himself, I'm nothing. I'm a servant of the Lord. But y'all get all excited about these things. You should have been more excited than anybody about me because I'm Paul. I love it. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you. I did it all. Signs, wonders, mighty works. In what you were less favored than the rest of the churches, the only thing you guys had to do was you got it all for free. That's what he says to them. So for a third time, I'm I'm, going to skip kind of fast through this. Um, I'm coming, and you all better act right when I show up. Because good grief, I'm a super apostle. Don't make me boast anymore. You made me do all this stupid stuff. And if I show up and you're acting stupid, then I'm going to act stupid. And you do not want to see me get stupid. He comes across with a real threat. I'm totally paraphrasing. He doesn't say it like that. He only calls the Galatians stupid. Those are the only people. Corinthians, he says, he, they're making him be stupid himself, right? Um, skip down to verse 19. Have you been thinking all along that we've been defending ourselves? It is in the sight of God that we've been speaking in Christ. And all for your upbuilding. He's saying I haven't been saying all this so you would you would be convinced. I've been praying and I've been this has been a dialogue I've been having with the Lord about you of how in the world can we bring them to believe in you Jesus? Should we talk about this? Should we talk about how awesome I am? Oh, that would be so stupid if I bragged about who I was. Should we talk about that? He is saying all this right before Christ himself And then at the very end, there's this list. I'm afraid that as I come, I may find you not as I wish, and you will find me not as you wish. That's where he says, if you don't act right, then I'm not going to act right. And perhaps you may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. It's so wild whenever you see a list like this to slow down. Because so often we pick the first one and we're like, oh, that's bad. I'm glad I don't do that. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not so evil as all those people that do that thing. God bless them. Bless their hearts. Look at the whole list. Look at all the things. Be like, Lord, I do not want to have a root in me of quarreling or jealousy or anger or hostility or slander or gossip. Or conceit or disorder. I don't want to have any of that in me. I don't none of that comes, none of those activities come from your Holy Spirit. I just want activities that come out of the Holy Spirit to mark my life. Now, disorder is on this list. Does this mean you need to go home and clean your room? You gotta wash your car because you got stuff out of order, you got a McDonald's wrapper down the floorboard. That's me. I'm confessing. No. Again, these are spiritual things. Spiritually, in your heart of hearts, is everything out of order? Are you putting important things over unimportant things or are you putting unimportant things over important things? That's disorder. Conceit is it all about you and what you want. That's what conceit is. Gossip and slander, these are two terrible things. Gossip is talking about somebody in a negative way when they're not around and spreading stories. Slander is directly attacking. So if somebody does something and they aren't here and I don't know what their motives were and I don't know what they were going through and I say, well, he probably did it because he's a blankety blank, blah, blah, blah i just slandered that guy. And what if I don't even know it, but he is a Christian? Christ is in him. He is in Christ. And I just called him a blankety blank, blah, 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 right? Slander. Better to just shut up, not offer any commentary on the guy at all. I fear that when I come again, God may humble me before you. Wait, What? If they're all doing a whole bunch of bad things and Paul shows up, God will humble him because he had all of this faith in them and all of this hope in them that they were doing it and they were walking in Christ. And gosh, his letter did not even this strong letter worked again. He's not making it about how good he is at stuff. And he's not even making it about them and their acts of righteousness. He's making it all about how God is working in our lives. Let God work in your life. And he says, I don't want to have to mourn about all the horrible things you guys lived in before you became Christians, that you all went back to it. Isn't this wild how this whole thing is now circled? He was boasting and bragging. And he was trying to convince them to listen And now he's like, look, it's not about me. It's not about any of these apostles. It's about Jesus. Please don't cause me mourning to find out that you're not living for Jesus. You might be doing a great job, Corinthian church, of nailing communion and doing communion just right. Because that's what they talked about in 1 Corinthians. You might do a great job of kicking out the sinners from your church. And all those people that do wrong, you kick them out, good job. You're doing it all in your flesh. You're not living for Jesus. You're doing it out of conceit, disorder, gossip, slander, jealousy, anger. Man. So, next week we will finish 2 Corinthians and this whole letter about how to live for Jesus and what to make a priority and what what to aim at. And um, yeah, let's pray. Lord, please help this stuff to settle into our souls. Help our identity that we would not have to have to brag or boast in who we are to any person. And that we would offer that same grace to others. That they would not have to brag or boast or prove themselves to us. May we allow your Holy Spirit to flow freely in us. And fully embrace that impenetrable grace that you give us you take such good care of us lord we love you and we praise you amen